Today's episode of The Big Picture is brought to you by Mubi. With all the video content available, why is it still so difficult to find something good to watch? Mubi is a curated online cinema streaming exceptional films from around the globe. Each day they introduce a new gem and you have one month to watch it. Whether it's an acclaimed masterpiece or a cult classic or a festival fresh darling, there's always 30 perfectly curated films to discover on Mubi. Plus, delve deeper into films with exclusive interviews, video essays, and critical reviews on Mubi's Notebook. Try Mubi free for 30 days at mubi.com slash big picture. That's mubi.com slash big picture for your extended free trial. When I was pitching this film, I was pitching it not as a horror film, or I wasn't using the word horror. I was describing it as a family tragedy that curdles into a nightmare. I'm Sean Fennessy, editor-in-chief of The Ringer, and this is The Big Picture, a conversation show with some of the most interesting filmmakers in the world. I had a tough night in Texas a couple of months ago. I was in town for a film festival, and I was getting a ride back to where I was staying. We were stopped at a red light, idling at 3 o'clock in the morning, and then bang. I was rear-ended by a reckless driver. It was terrible. That awful feeling of vague hurt that could mean long-term pain. But it was worse than your typical fender bender, not because I was far from home, and not because it was in the middle of the night, miles from any living soul that I knew. It was particularly haunting because I had just left a midnight screening of the movie Hereditary. Hereditary is the most upsetting horror movie I've seen in years. I won't spoil much of it other than to say it starts out as a dark family drama and it gets much, much darker. On today's show, I talked with the movie's writer-director, Ari Aster, about his long road to feature films and scaring the hell out of people. So here's my conversation with Ari Aster. I'm delighted and horrified to be joined by the director of the movie Hereditary, Ari Aster. Ari, thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. Ari, uh, your movie's very fucked up in a wonderful way. And I want to talk about the movie a lot, but I want to hear a little bit about you and where you came from because I was not familiar with your work beforehand. And this movie hit at Sundance like a shot out of a cannon. And people had said, this is the scariest damn thing that I've seen in years. So where are you from and and how did you start falling in love with movies that um, upset people? Uh, I was born in New York, and I was there for the first, you know, few years of my life, and then uh, moved to Chester, England for a few years with my family, and um, and then I, I spent most of my adolescence in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and then I moved to L.A. to go to AFI, the AFI Conservatory, the American Film Institute, uh, to study as a director, and... I graduated in 2010, and I spent the last about nine years in L.A. before Hereditary went into pre-production in Utah. I want to know what happens between that 2010 to 2017 period, but before we do that, do you remember the first uh, horror film that you saw? First one, no. I remember the first few that like really had a big impact on me. I, I, I From... I, well, I, I'd say the ages of like, I'd say age twelve and thirteen. I was I was just really really obsessed with horror films. Like I would just exhaust the horror section and edit in every video store. What was your preferred sort of like subgenre of horror movie? You know, where did you lean towards? I really was looking, I think, for like visceral, like 
I was obsessed with the grotesque and, you know, uh, at the same time I was getting into Joel Peter Witkin and, you know, and, and, and Ouija and I, you know, I, uh, Ouija, the um, photographer, the, the photographer, yeah. not the board. Yeah. Uh, well, that would be reasonable in this conversation <laughs> too. But yeah, I was always drawing like very morbid imagery, and but there were a few films that really, really had kind of a devastating impact on me. And you know, one of them was Ryan De Palma's Carrie. That one r- really troubled me. And it's funny because I, I saw it again recently, and I was shocked at like how campy it was. And I, I see it now as like this very, very sad comedy but like deeply deeply sad like a really there is like a level of kitsch to it too it's also like so imprinted oh, yeah. in pop culture now that we, we see these things happening that are referen- referencing it so specifically and so you can't when you're 11 you just receive things so differently right exactly and and I think I've always been troubled by kitsch and, and De Palma I mean like De Palma's always kind of like skirting the edge of you know he's he's like he's putting like one toe in in kitsch um and uh, I mean, even with like Pino Donaggio's score, which is like so sentimental, it's like dripping with sentimentality. It's like gross. Like it's it's like really, it's really, it's beautiful. But then at the same time, it's like, I don't know. It, it's it's very, melodramatic, right? It's, yeah. it's it's really melodramatic. Yeah, yeah. How do your how do you how does your family feel about an eleven year old Ari becoming obsessed with Carrie and 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 really gory horror films? Well, the thing, well, with Carrie, I was less obs- I, I was obsessed with it, but I wasn't. I I didn't like it. I, I really regretted seeing Carrie because I I just. It, it was keeping me up for like years. Actually, oh, wow. like there were images in that film that would not leave me. And you know, that, like when you're walking in the dark and and you're 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 telling yourself so many times to not think about something that you're just like Can't you're, see, yeah. you're forcing yourself to project these images like onto these dark walls. And so I, I couldn't deal with walking around in the dark because I I couldn't get away from the images. Um, I was like tormenting myself with them. My parents, I don't know how they felt about me loving horror films, I was drawing a lot of morbid imagery and, and, and a lot of like, you know, like bodies being ripped apart by like tentacles and stuff like that. Wow. And it's funny because I, I actually don't really, I, it's been a while since I've been into horror films. Um, and I don't really consider myself primarily a horror director, but back then it was, there was a clear trajectory, I would say. Back then, did you imagine yourself making movies when you were falling in love with those movies or being terrified by them? Yeah. I mean, I, it's always been what I've wanted to do. My mom likes to tell a story about the first movie that she took me to go see in New York. And I, I think it was Dick Tracy. Um, and all I remember is that there was a scene of where, where somebody's firing a Tommy gun with like a wall of like flames behind him. And I like screamed and jumped out of my seat and ran down like five different city blocks in New York. My mom was chasing after me and I was just running in front of cars and almost got almost got killed. Wow. That's uh, a, that also is a movie that plays a lot differently when you're an adult. If you see it as a kid, oh, yeah. it's like it feels not real, but there's something like hyper real about it. And then when you watch it as an adult, you're like, wow, this is high level camp. Like you really just the high colors level, yeah. and the so violence campy. and the dialogue and absolutely so campy and just like the the level of artifice there. I don't know if there is, if we have a comic book movie that is that devoted to like kind of replicating the comic book aesthetic. Um, Thor Ragnarok was pretty fun and bright, but maybe not quite in, in the way that we're talking about. Well, he, well, yeah, because so much of that is also achieved in CGI, right? right. whereas Dick Tracy was kind of fa- – I, I haven't seen it in, in so long, but I, I do remember being excited by how much of it was just like – was built this fake – The whole world, <laughs> uh, yeah. They created a, com- a living comic book, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's kind of amazing. 
it's interesting because that movie is all artifice, like you say. Your movie is not. It's interesting too that you told me that you spent some time living in England because it does. There's some there's some austerity to the movie too. There's something like very tense. It's like a family drama. You know, there's a little bit of like '70s drama in the movie that you made. Um, tell me a little bit about like the other movies that you started falling in love with when you were getting older and moving maybe moving away from horror movies. Okay, and really quickly, I'll say that the other film that traumatized me as a kid was the was Peter Greenaway's The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. I don't like it, and the it, like I, I I find it really upsetting, and it really did a number on me when I was a kid. Like it, it feels evil to me. The, those images are just seared into my brain. Another it's like film, you've been branded. Yeah, well, that that film branded me for sure. Um, another film that does that is Dogville, like really, oh, yeah. really, really well. Uh, your, your movie has something in common with all those movies, are There's something like slightly unnerving and off at all times. That a low hum of dread. Even in Dick Tracy, there's a little bit of a like, is someone going to blow someone's face off at any moment feeling? Yeah. Even though it's meant to be a comic book movie for 10-year-olds. Um, I don't know. It's interesting that you hit on that so early. Yeah. I. It, it's funny because it, it's not like a mission for me, you know, like. I've I've been asked a few times, like you know, why why is all your stuff so dark? Is, is everything going to be this dark? And I I you know I haven't even thought about it. It's just that's what that's. I mean, in the case of Hereditary, that's just what it was. But I I and then in the case of the shorts that I've made, I, it's I guess the same thing. At AFI, did you have a sense of what kind of movies you wanted to make when you finished? Yeah, I mean, I was mostly making dark comedy, and mm-hmm. that's still something. I mean, I, I still. Sort of, I see myself as being primarily a dark comedy filmmaker. I, I, um, I think that's where my heart is, really. So, how does Hereditary start coming together for you then? Hereditary came together because I had, at that point, I had written about nine feature scripts, um, and I had all different genres, all different all, approaches, all different genres. Yeah, to sell, and, to make, uh, to to make. Um, to direct, and there were a few that had. I almost got them going, but you know, but they were either too big or, or you know, for whatever reason, they didn't happen. Is this um, in this period, this twenty ten to twenty seventeen period? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I. What do you, so? What does someone like you do to live in that time? If you're not making the movie you want to make, are you? Waiting tables? Are you making commercials? Are you making short films? Like, how, how does that how does that work? I was really like burning through savings, yeah. and I was um, at, at one point, you know, I I got paid to write a script, and that that lasted me a couple years. Mm-hmm. I was doing everything I could to basically not take the jobs that would be like a distraction, and I and hereditary got going right when I needed it to, at the point where I I would have to shit or get off the pot. Did you, did you know what that? What the the flip side of Ari's life would have been? What, like, what is the if if it hereditary doesn't happen? What are you doing right now? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm waiting tables, but I'm you know I I, I spent about a year like reading scripts at Universal, and I, I might have you know gone. I, I mean, I I don't think I would ever want to be a script reader again. Mm-hmm. Um, although that that was a an, an education. Um, but uh, but it yeah, worked I, out. It it worked out just like by the skin of my teeth. And um, someone said, "We'd like to give you money. You should make this movie." Well, it had traded hands a lot. So there were, uh, you know, it was with one producer for about a year, and then that fell through. And then, you know, another production company came on, and then you know, it didn't quite work out with them. And and it it just kind of kept trading hands. But we 
luckily, you know, I, I had an agent and, and luckily the, the, the script was ga- gaining traction and people knew about it and it, it had s- something of a reputation. And then finally it found financing. Tell me about making it because, as I said, it's, there is a, an unnerving quality to most of the movie where we sense that there's something happening. So what is it? How do you build that on set? How do you build that into the story in a way that actually makes it work? The way I work, um, or the way that I, I have worked thus far, is that I, I compose a shot list um, before I talk to anybody on the crew. Um, and so I spent a, a few months building a shot list so that I had the whole movie in my head. And then I sit down with um, with my cinematographer and my production designer, in this case that's uh, Pavel Pogorjelski, who I've been working with since AFI and who's one of my best friends. And he's just just brilliant and and um, and the production designer was Grace Yoon who did an amazing job on this film and so we would just go for every day we we would sit down with a dry erase board uh, and map out you know like you know an overhead view of what what the space might be and then I'll draw out for them what the blocking is and where the camera will be I take them through the whole movie which took about three weeks uh, of us working like four or five hours a day on that. At that point, we all have the same movie in our head. Are you saying to them, maybe watch this movie, this is the tone I'm going for, here are some reference points, or is it yeah. all? Yeah. I actually screened a lot of films for mm-hmm. them, and I was kind of careful to not screen horror movies. Like, when I was pitching this film, I was pitching it not as a horror film, or I wasn't using the word horror. I was describing it as a family tragedy that curdles into a nightmare. And so it was important that we address, like, the family drama before even thinking about the horror elements. And I'm screening them all for different reasons, but you know, uh, we watched a couple of Mike Lee films, and Mike Lee is probably my favorite filmmaker. We watched In the Bedroom, which has a turn about 30 minutes in that isn't far. It, it's not dissimilar from something that happens in Hereditary. Yep, something that changes a family. Yeah, and it changes yeah. the movie. Yeah. It, it changes the movie itself. Reveals itself to be something kind of unsafe. It's 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 very similar to Psycho, actually. What, what in the bedroom does, and I think what this film is trying to do, it, like we we have our shower scene. What was more, what was the most challenging thing about actually doing the movie? Because you ha- you're creating this family drama, but then there's also some genuine horror elements. You're, you know, these two these two story versions colliding. Was it? Were there technical challenges? Was it more like figuring out how to pace the movie? What, 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 did you, what didn't you see coming? Well, the technical challenges were huge. So we have that shot list now, right, that I was describing earlier. And so now we have to, we have to find a house that accommodates that. And we scouted for a long time, didn't find anything, and then we, we realized that we would have to build the entire house on a stage. The exterior of the house, that, that is an actual location. But everything interior, the first floor, the second floor, the attic. Did every, you have to build that kind of treehouse as The well? treehouse was totally built. So was the built. exterior was built on location, but the interior was built on the stage. Okay. Uh, and we actually built two versions of the interior of the treehouse. So everything in that house was built from scratch. But because we then had to replicate all of the spaces with the miniatures, because uh, Tony Collette's character is a miniaturist who makes these dollhouses that are perfect replicas of the spaces that she lives in um, or, or the spaces in her life. We had to have everything designed well in advance of shooting so that we could get those miniaturists going. That means we needed to know what the furniture was, what the plants are in the room, what's the wallpaper, what is the 
What are the drapes, you know, over the windows? It has to be all perfect. It all has to match exactly. Exactly. Um, now you've got, I mean, you've got some also pretty intense effect shots in the film. And, <laughs> like, is all of that stuff practically done? Everything that we could do practically, we did do practically. Um, there is— It feels like that for the most part in the movie. It feels oh, well, very tactile. Well, thank you. That, that was really important to me. I love what CGI can do, like, as an enhancement tool— and then to get rid of things that you need, like to to make the practical stuff work, right? Because there's there's like wire work, and there's and and then if you're if you're lighting somebody on fire, you know, the, there are like hoses, and there are things that um, are in frame that you need to remove. Um, People have seen the trailer; they know someone gets lit on fire. Yes. Yeah. It's okay. um, Did you like doing that that stuff that effects work? Because I imagine in your short films you didn't have too much of that to do, really. I, I did have some stuff in this short I made called Munchausen. Mm-hmm. There. It's always stressful because you you don't know if you're going to achieve it. Like it's you know it's all it's all theoretical until the day you over you overplan. Why uh, Tony Collette is the matriarch in the story? I mean, she's somebody that I've really just I've 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 been watching her for a long time, and 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 I I I, I really think that she's one of our most reliable actresses. And she read it; she knew what the challenge was. She had the balls to take it on because I, I I really think it 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 requires like a certain lack of like of of like vanity to to take a part like this on. Absolutely. Did you like that there was a little bit of an echo with the sixth sense, and that there's some something some low similarity between those two characters? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I like that. It, I, I wasn't thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and people have sort of likened this film to the sixth sense, and I I I, I sort of see it, but then I also. I feel like they're almost opposites in their like in in their. They're superficially similar, but like tonally completely different. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the Sixth Sense. It's pretty hopeful by the end, and mm-hmm. it's 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 like it's a nice movie. So you're saying <laughs> your movie is not nice or hopeful? No. I, well, I'm, no. I think Hereditary is really. It wants to be upsetting. It wants to be kind of alienating. It's um. That's why I've been sort of surprised by the reception. I've been like really. Um, excited by it, but but it is a movie that 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 aims to upset you like if it's working it it should be a pummeling experience can i share with you my theory about why that is yeah Uh, movies are very boring people don't feel anything when they go to the movies anymore your movie really makes people feel things especially in a communal way and they're really responding to that i sensed it in the screening i was in i think it's also one reason why horror movies are having a sustained moment for a time but i don't know do you get that sense that people are just like you really had me gripping my chest the whole time yeah, yeah, which and and it's been amazing. It's nice too because I was talking a lot about, you know, wanting to make a film that was like patient and that took its time and that like really kind of earned everything that happened and and you know, the film the, the original cut of the film was 3 hours long. And so there are like 30 scenes that are not in the film and so I feel like when I talk about it as, you know, a family drama more than a horror film, you know, I I um that might be a, a little bit disingenuous now because I do feel like some of that was like scaled back. Where does this movie come from? I imagine that there's some personal experience that goes into writing something that is so intimate. So how do you make that into something that is for the world? Well, I think that's the beauty of not just the horror genre, but like genre filmmaking is that it's like this beautiful like filter where you can take something personal and then conform it to like meet these demands like and the horror genre has like very clear demands and a lot of that has to do with catharsis how close is um hereditary to the movie that you saw in your head well it's shorter right, <laughs> right? so it's, it's or, or it's leaner yeah um 
and I do think this cut is the is is probably the best cut. Was it painful for you to have to winnow it down the way that you did? Yeah, it's always painful, but you have to do it. Um, so every cut hurts. Like every scene you remove, especially if you executed it in the way that you wanted to, it hurts. To make but, it, better, but you also know it has to happen, or to make it more uh, digestible. Like, why do you say you have to do to, it? Well, I think in the end, like pacing is probably the most important thing. Period. Your movie has to flow and breathe and like live, and you watch you watch it and you know like okay like I'm attached to this scene I'm attached to like the dialogue I really like how we lit it the camera moves very beautifully here, but the movie's like stopping for a second and then starting in the next scene and you have to listen to that and I'm I'm still learning to listen to that I I I feel that we've finally arrived at a cut where like I I had finally listened to everything. <laughs> Uh, but it took a long time. Like you, it has to go bit by bit. You can't just like scorch earth because it's pa- it's so painful. You're at peace now, though. Yeah, I'm at peace. Yeah. What other kinds of movies are you gonna make? Well, I'm in pre-production right now for a. Uh, I guess it's a horror movie for another horror film. Although I think that's the last one I'll I'll do. Why are you reluctant to even call it that? Like Hereditary, it starts as one thing and ends as another, and it, it's it's uh, in the most superficial sense, it is it's like Scandinavian folk horror. But it's really a character study. Was this one of the scripts that you had written before that you're finally getting a chance to make? Yes, I had written it, um, but but I but I I had written it very recently. Can can uh, you describe just a little bit the feeling of being? I, I, I say this at the risk of seeming uh, like a schmuck, but like a hot young director. You know, there's very much like I know that all the people that saw this movie that I've spoken to was like, wow, this guy's going to make amazing movies, and. <laughs> That must be cool. I presume that you're getting a lot of that as you talk to people about the next projects you're going to do. What is it like to be in that moment? I, I mean, it's really exciting. It's great. Right now, like, Hereditary has not come out yet. Mm-hmm. And the reception has been, like, really warm. Um, and there's been, like, a lot of, like, hyperbole happening. And you fantasize about those super, those superlatives, right? Like, you, you, like, when you're making the film, you fantasize about people talking this way about your film. But I'm also... Maybe it's the realist in me or, or the pessimist, um, but I'm you know I'm I'm waiting for the backlash and for the pendulum to swing in the other direction um, because I I don't think a film can you know can really survive like those kinds of expectations like I I'm, I'm worried that people are going into hereditary expecting something that that it it's, it isn't and so in some ways I feel like pressure for the next one that that's maybe you'll just have to um, keep topping yourself until you die it'll be fine <laughs> yeah. My goal is really just to keep making the next one. Yeah, the keep next signing one. up for the next one before the new one comes out. You know, that's, the, know. that's the strategy. Um, all right, I end every show by asking filmmakers what's the last great thing that they've seen. What is the last great thing that you've seen? One movie I just want to mention, just, and it, I, it came out a couple years ago, um, but I, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with it, and I think it's really, really special, and I think it's just a perfect film. I'm tantalized right now. Is is Andrew Hayes 45 years? That's amazing. He was here a few weeks ago. Oh, he was here a few weeks ago for for Lean on Pete. For Lean on Pete. Wow. Yeah. Wonderful dude. I really, I've never met him, um, but I I really think 45 years is like an all-timer. Like um, I've seen it so many times, and that's one movie that I screened for the crew on on Hereditary. I, I guess... The last thing I saw that I was really excited by, I guess there were two. I, I, I thought Isle of Dogs was, like, kind of incredible. And Are you a West guy? Not all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he's an incredible craftsman. Um, but I, I, like, fall 
I, I fell off the wagon and now I get back on. But this one I thought was just like kind of staggering um, as, as an aesthetic achievement. Mm-hmm. And then I really liked You Were Never Really Here uh, by Lynn Ramsey. Yeah. Can you talk about that just a little bit? It's like really absurd. Like it's a really ridiculous story. Like it's it's so po- it's so pulpy, and I love how pulpy it is. Like there's this like Pizza Gate plot that's <laughs> that's like happening, and you you don't even like you might like blink and you miss it, but like that's what's happening. Yeah. But it is like so. I had not heard it described as Pizza Gate, but that is exactly what it is. That's what's happening. It's so and, funny. And it, but it's 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 so tied. Like it, it's it's sympathetically tied to this unhinged person's perspective in a way that I'm not sure if I've, I've really seen it that way before. Like it, it really, um, it felt like it got at PTSD in a way that I had not seen before. And she's just such a brilliant uh, filmmaker when it comes to editing and Joaquin Phoenix is incredible. And I, and Johnny Greenwood's score is amazing. Yeah. I, I, I really, really, Loved that film. And I, I think my expectations were dropped because there were a lot of people who I guess were disappointed by it. And I was looking for that. I was like looking for like what people had a problem with and I couldn't find it. I really like that film. My producer is silently applauding right now because he really loves that movie too. Um, <laughs> Ari, I really loved your movie Hereditary. Thank you for doing this today. Thanks so much for having me. 